Welcome to Rewirement with me, Angelica Bell, brought to you by Legal & General. If you're looking for inspiration, tips and empowering ideas for your someday, this series is your one-stop shop to make it happen. I'm bringing you real people's retirement stories so that whatever it is you have in mind or whatever your timeline, you can take action today for a brilliant, colourful tomorrow. As you near retirement, you're probably looking forward to meeting some new goals and challenges, the things you didn't have time, money or freedom for in working life. So how do you make sure you plan well and set the right goals for the right time? Our bodies are always changing and as we get older, we need to adapt, make allowances and get a little savvy. The more you make it individual to you, the better it's going to be. Retirement is also a mental shift, especially if we've had a very structured or busy job and family life. So managing our minds with the right tools is also a powerful move. Today we're going to be chatting about how you can take great care of your mind and body and stay in shape to achieve everything you want. I'll be joined by Legal & General's Emma Byron and Agewell writer and health coach Susan Saunders to find out more. First up though, Let's meet two people who've taken to their retirement lifestyle with different attitudes. Jill is a former teacher who lives with her husband and their Sprocker Spaniel in Leicester. She and her hubby are both keen runners and spend their free time doing community projects. She started by telling us about her switch to retirement. I taught for 35 years. I'd actually taught in the same school for 35 years, although I'd had a variety of roles. And I had had a a string of outstanding Ofsted inspections. And I thought, well, I can only go down from there, really. So I decided at the age of 57 that I would would go. And it was very, very traumatic. The thought of it was just um, awful because that that had been my life. I'd never known anything different. Um, But I, I started to put plans in place before I actually retired. For the last year, I went down to four days. And then I retired in the summer of uh, 2011. And it was fine while all the youngsters were on holiday. But when everybody went back to school, I thought I'd made an absolutely horrible mistake. But Jill's momentary panic didn't last long. Her husband was still working, so she enrolled in a German course and took off to Austria for a few months, making friends along the way. She thinks that cutting down her days slowly made the biggest difference in her move to retirement. I think it's a a mental thing. I mean, I'm sure I did five days worth of work in four days. It was just having a little bit of freedom and it gave me time to reflect on what the possibilities were for the future. And I, I feel quite strongly that if I'd have gone from five days to nothing, it would have been a bigger shock to to my system, really. To me, retirement is a time of opportunity. It's a time to pursue things that you've not been able to pursue. And I think, you know, I am so lucky in that I'm very healthy. And of course, um, retired teacher, we have enough money to do what we want to do. So we we count ourselves very lucky and we're not going to waste that time. We're going to just live it to the full, really. But I gave myself a structure. When I, when I came out of teaching, because I knew that it would be very easy to waste time. So the rule was, this is my time and I'm jolly well going to be up at half past six, get dressed, get the hair done and that sort of thing, get out. But I, I worked on the principle 
that I wanted to do active stuff, but I also wanted to do stuff for my brain. And I wanted to do stuff, some voluntary work, because I felt that I'd been so lucky, it was important to give back. So I had a structure where I had fixed points on certain days that I always did certain things. But then I maybe had another day when I was completely free to do anything or another afternoon when I was free to do anything. When she returned from Austria, the opportunities flooded in. Jill was invited to help out at the local church. She continued her German lessons and signed up for evening classes in French. She soon realised that her diary had filled itself right up. I worked at an old people's lunch club on a Thursday. I refused to do anything before 10 o'clock in the morning because I wanted to be out running with the dog. Um, and <laughs> suddenly I realised I actually didn't have time to go to work. We have three days in the summer where we provide activities and we go on a trip and things like that. So, so yeah, I've got, I, I think I've probably got a wider circle of friends now than I ever had when I was teaching. Um, I'm very different people. Jill had always turned to running and the outdoors as a relief from the pressures of teaching. But in retirement, it's become an even more vital hobby for her health and happiness. It's my life. I'll be honest, it's my life. I, I, I love it. I love the, the fact that I can eat anything I want. I don't have to worry what goes in my mouth. It's a friendship group with the running club, um, and particularly with my, my other friend. I think the problem is that because I do what I do, I don't fit in with people of my age. And I find that quite difficult sometimes. You know, people 65, well, 67 now, are not necessarily into running, skiing, cycling and swimming. So I really value the friendships I've got with, with the running people. Um, so running, yeah, running is incredibly important to me, really is. Now we're, I'm a lot more leisurely about it. I have a running friend who I run with. She's also retired and we run four times a week. We go out very early in the mornings and we run across the fields and if we want to stop and look at something, we stop and look at something. But we also do the odd, the odd race, yeah, park run, 10Ks, half marathons, that sort of thing. So, but it's not serious like it used to be. You know, I used to be looking at my watch and thinking, can I knock 10 seconds off here? I really don't care now. <laughs> We just love to be outside. We've got a big garden. Obviously, we've got a dog. It's the sort of dog that if you don't give it at least seven miles a day, it'll tear the house up. So we're out with the dog. It doesn't matter what the weather's doing, we're out. In the summer, I'm never in the house. I've always got my shorts on and, and, and that's it. And it's, it's really, really important. And we're lucky where we live because we've got really nice countryside. In fact, after years of longing for a dog, Jill spent her leaving gift from the school on a Sprocker Spaniel puppy. Her criteria, a dog that could run. Jill and her husband switched their holiday schedule so they could spend the summer travelling in the UK with their pooch. They now take their holidays in the winter months. That's because, aged 58, they tried out skiing, or running on skis as they put it. And it now lets them see the world in a different way. Of course, the moment the skis went on, we were absolutely hooked. Loved every minute of it. We are ski bums now, basically. We... We go three times a year, and we we just we just ski. It's, just, it's great. And we, and we go to Scandinavia, so we can downhill and we can cross country ski as well. So, what's Jill's advice for anyone looking for a healthy balance in retirement? First of all, look after yourself. Keep your weight down. Eat healthily. Don't drink too much. Have everything you want. But just be sensible about it. I would say to people, have a variety of activities. So you might have something physical, something that you use your brain, 
something social. And also, you know, as I said to you before, have fixed points in the week where you have to get up and you have to do things. And then other points in the week where you can basically please yourself. I think that probably would be the best advice. But but the important thing is your health, isn't it? If you look after yourself, everything else is possible. What I find found has been so good with retirement is that I've mixed with such a wide range of people that I, I didn't do when I was at work. You know, I mix with the dog walkers, there's the church people, there's the old people. I mentor some of the youngsters at, at the church who are doing GCSEs and stuff like that. You know, there's a whole range of people that I, I probably never would have mixed with before. So that's really important. It, it, it broadens your horizons. And even if it doesn't work out, having a plan is important. And I think as well, giving back, we are so lucky to have what we have that it's important to, to give back to, to society. My husband does community driving. Um, you know, I work with the old people. It's fulfilling for us. But it's also giving back to society, which I think is really, really important because we've, we've had, we have and we've had such fantastic lives. Jill is such a powerhouse and a fun person to listen to. Her energy is so contagious and it definitely made me want to lace up my running shoes and get going. I love how she had to pick a dog that could keep up with her in retirement. Right, let's hear from Peter now. He's also a big runner. After a diverse career in engineering and then journalism, he now enjoys sharing his skills for the good of his community. He's also an artist and all-round inquiring mind. He was really honest with me about just what a big role the mind plays in keeping healthy after the day job ends. Peter, it's lovely to talk to you today. I'm really interested to know about your career and your experience of retiring because I know it's You've had a great life, haven't you? Yeah, and I've had a sort of like interesting life, basically. So uh, <laughs> I quit becoming a civil engineer and started working as a journalist, throwing away all my previous education and just kind of taking a, taking a, a punt at something totally new. For, well, more than 20 years, basically, I got made redundant and um, I and another journalist set up a news website, sold the company and two years later retired. But do you know what? So obviously you're not one to shy away from risk because you seem to have had lots of different turns and twists in your life. That's what life has taught me, that you should grab opportunities when they arise. And if you've got your heart in it, it'll all work out okay, basically. Mm. So... You've had a fulfilled working life and obviously you managed to sell off your company, which did that mean you could pay off your mortgage? Oh, yeah. Did it mean you could live comfortably? Yes. You know, were you in a good position? Yes. Yeah. So I didn't have a mortgage and it just so happened that uh, my parents were selling their house in Cornwall. So we bought it. And that's so that's where I'm living now, basically. So how did you feel about retiring then? To start off with, I, I wanted to give something back. I've always felt as though I've been very lucky in life. So I started off by a kind of helping a, a, a local charity here that provides holidays for families with disabled children. You know, as a journalist, I sort of helped them with all the marketing side of things. And then at the same time as that, I uh, volunteered to mentor teenagers that were in trouble in Cornwall. So I, I spent I think it was about four years going to see 
teenagers and trying to kind of help them with their problems. I'd, I wanted to take up art. I'd given up art at, uh, when I was at school, when I was 13. So I started going to some evening classes, used to count the days when I could go back there for my, you know, once a week evening session. And then, then I, and I was looking at the students thinking, you know, how lucky they were. And I hope they realised how lucky they were. And then it occurred to me that I could, I could go there myself and do a degree, which is uh, what I ended up doing. So I did a part-time degree. Okay. Ended up getting a, a, a first. Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> you don't seem like somebody who would do things by halves, and I like that about you. Well, funnily enough, when I was a you know when I was a teenager, I remember kind of getting quite depressed and saying to my mother, you know, I felt like that, and she said. You know, well, she quoted something in French, uh, il faut cultiver vos jardins, you know, you, you should cultivate your garden, which I basically means keep yourself busy. And that's what I, that's what I do with my life. I've, I'm, I've been happy because I've kept myself doing things. So while I've been doing all the art stuff and all the um, stuff with the you know, charities and volunteers, I've also kept physically busy as well. I orienteer, I dive and I run. Ah, so you run. So what, what do you run races or is it just, just get out there and see how far you get? The charity I was working with got a, a place in the London Marathon. I did my first marathon in four hours, six minutes. So I trained for the next one. And so the next time I did it, I was 70 years old and mm. I did it in three hours, 51, 50 something, just under 3.52. And f when I finished, it looked as though I was 10th. But by the time other some slower starters had finished, I was actually 13th. But still, we're not going to quibble over three places because it's still incredible. So is the outdoors a big part of your experience of retirement? Yeah, we have phenomenal views of the sea from this house. You know, if I look out of this window, I can see an island and a lighthouse, you know, and, and we've got a big garden. So I do a lot of gardening. I learned to dive when we arrived in Loo and I've dived in you know, all sorts of places around the world, including the Great Barrier Reef and the Red Sea and places like that. Lovely. Yeah. But, you know, you might, you've got such a positive mental attitude to retirement. And was that the case at the beginning? And has it changed? So I'd launched a startup and I was really tired and I wanted to stop. And uh, also I had all these other things I wanted to do. Are there any moments in your retirement that stand out for you? I ran in the uh, Olympic torch relay in 2012. And that was an amazing experience. You know, to be... It was like being parachuted into the best ever party, basically, you know, because I was <laughs> sort of surrounded by people kind of willing me on, basically. It was a fantastic experience. Ten years ago, I was diagnosed with bowel cancer, so I had a really you know, major operation at that stage. And in fact, I did all my running of marathons after I'd had that operation. So uh, I guess that's another thing that really stands out. You've got some resilience there. I think, you know, I'm 75 now. I've had a, a, a really great ride, basically. I don't want to die, but I hope when I do die, I can look back on it and think I spent my time well. And what do you think it was about your work life that's helped you make such a success of your retirement and your, and your positivity? 
being prepared to chuck up my profession as a civil engineer and take a gamble, you know, worked out and just showed to me that kind of when opportunities arise, you should grab them, basically. And retirement is just one big opportunity. So what's your advice for a healthy retirement? Somebody told me this, you know, when I when I first retired, you know, you, you need to have a balance between three things, you know, the physical side, uh, the mental side. And then the third thing really is the social side, develop a social network. I'd always worked so hard, I didn't really have a big social network. But when I've come here, you know, I've joined a running club, you know, and you know, I've really put my roots down here. And I think that's also a very key part of retirement. You don't have to run marathons in retirement or have thousands of hobbies to be happy. It's just about finding the right healthy balance of activities for you. I do love Peter's advice about doing something for the body, something for the mind and something for the community. A fantastic balance. Now let's get some expert ideas on things you can try in your retirement. From the best independent learning to sensible advice on getting active, I'm joined by Legal and General's Emma Byron and health coach Susan Saunders. Susan, tell me about your mission to age well, because you've published a book all about it, haven't you? That's right. Well, I've published two, actually. Uh, I was co-author of a book called The Age Well Project. And then at the end of last year, I wrote a book by myself called The Age Well Plan. And yes, I am absolutely passionate about helping people to age well. I think we can all change the way we age. So as a health coach, how do you approach the needs differently for people in later life? Is it ever too early or too late to start? I I have a feeling I know what you're going to say. Yeah, it's never too early and it's never too late. (laughs) Everybody's individual, of course, and everybody has very different requirements. But it's really a case of working out where you are now, evaluating what you want and and working out what you want the future to look like. How's it going to feel? What are you going to be doing? That applies to health as much as to finances. You know, what What is the way forward? What do you want it to feel like? And then working out the steps to get there. Now, to write a book about it, you must have thought this is, is needed and people need to hear this. So what was it that motivated you to write about this? My own journey to ageing well started nearly 20 years ago. I was 36. I was working full time as a TV producer. I had a baby and a toddler and my mother was diagnosed with dementia. And so I became a carer as well. So I had to juggle all those balls, which was very, very difficult. And what made it more poignant was that as a teenager myself, I had watched my mother do that for her mother. So I was conscious of a pattern. I was conscious that I wanted to do everything I could to reduce my risk of dementia and age-related diseases. And I started researching and reading the endless papers which are published on this subject. And it's all so confusing. you constantly being told you drink coffee you'll live forever don't drink coffee you'll die and I just wanted to really kind of work out a middle way and you work out what would work for me you know I was so busy I didn't have time for weird wellness retreats or you know making a hundred 
juices or whatever. So I had to work out what would fit into my life. And then when I started blogging about it with a friend, we just found that there were so many other people in the same boat who just wanted knowledge without having to follow fads. So basically, is the book about things you can eat, things you can do just to make that process easier or or is it just to be conscious about the fact that as you get older you know your body changes I think first yeah first of all it's about being conscious about what's happening and and as I said what you want from your own life but when we started I really thought it was just about food it was just going to be about what we ate and then as we researched more I realise there's so many other things which are really important. It's not just what you eat, it's exercise, how you move, how well you sleep is really critical. Social engagement, mental stimulation, whatever form that that might be, uh, and and the environment in in which you're ageing, all those things are really critical. Well, as we're hearing, being healthy in retirement is a multifaceted idea, and I guess it's very individual too. So, Emma, what are some of the angles people should consider when they're thinking ahead? Yeah, clearly it is very individual. You know, uh, we know people live a, a lot longer these days, but that's not everyone. We're not all an average person. So when we look at average life expectancy, that's not necessarily going to be you. So it's going to be very dependent on people's you know, health. Do they smoke? Do they drink? All of those things. So even when you're planning for your retirement, trying to work out how long you're going to live and how, how long you need to finance uh, your life for is a very difficult thing to do. And, and people make the mistake quite often of looking to their parents as an indicator of that. Um, so none of us like thinking about death, but uh, let's think about it in a more positive way. I think the other thing is about it's not just living a longer retirement. It's also it needs to be a happy retirement. And it's going to be very different if you're fit, active and healthy versus if you know you're requiring significant care needs. We could live for a very long, long time and you want to make sure that you're going to have the finances to support you in that and that you're fit and healthy as well. So you can enjoy it as much as anything else. Yeah, well, security and financial peace of mind play no small part in our mental well-being. You know, whatever stage we're at, you just feel calm. But how can people on a lower budget maximise this, especially if they are wanting to experience lots of things in older life, but be well? Everyone wants to know that they're going to have enough money to pay the bills, you know, the, and the basics. So I always like to think of that, you know, what do you need uh, at bare minimum to survive and live a happy life? And there's lots of different ways, you know, depending on your income, your wealth, how, how that will be supported. So most people will be able to get the state pension. So make sure you understand how much that is. Is that enough to cover what you see as your basic living needs, you know, so uh, your electricity, your food and so on. But actually, I think what I would class is essential need is not just food and, and, and clothes and so on you know having the ability to do your favorite exercise class that might be just equally important in that category and then you either are going to have to fund that with your state pension or you might have a defined benefit pension that will pay you through for the rest of your life or you might use a defined contribution pension to, to purchase annuity which will also give you that security and peace of mind. So how should you budget for a golf or travel hobby if you're pension planning for instance as well? You might be able to rent out a room for a lodger or, so, or something like that, you know, or, or do a bit of dog walking for people, which again is going to keep you active and, and healthy. So if you don't have enough in your pension to do that, then there's other ways that you can supplement it. And then I, I like to think about the budgeting in sort of threes, you know, 
categorize it, break it down. It makes it a bit easier to manage. So the, the basic living needs. And then I'd call it the sort of nice to house. So if possible, we would like to go on holiday or go out for, for meals or socialize with, with friends. That's always where you can cut back if you really need to, if you don't have enough. But having sort of a pot of money that allows you to have those nice, nice to haves. And then the other thing is having a sort of rainy day fund. You know, none of us can predict the future. None of us know when our cars are going to break down or our washing machine is going to break down. And we might need something for that. And also, you know, care needs in, in later life. So I think having a bit tucked away that you try not to touch unless it's a rainy day is also helpful. So, you know, it's really just basic budgeting, but trying to kind of break down the problem into a few parts, I, I think, can help to make it feel a bit more digestible, manageable for people. Well, Susan, we're talking about physical activities for health, but how can our choice of retirement pastimes impact our mental well-being too? Having pastimes in later life, regardless of whether you're retired or not, is as important as eating well and exercising. It's absolutely vital. If you think about it, we evolved as social animals. We belong to our tribe and our well-being is really predicated on what we do and how we spend our time. It's really important to be social when we can. I know at the moment that's quite difficult. And it's really important to remain intellectually stimulated. And uh, if you can find ways of combining the two, you know, if you like reading, that's great for your brain. Or is there a local book club you can join? Does your local bookshop have a club that you can join? You, know, If you like... I mean, this is physical, but if you like running, then you know, is there a local running club or a walking club that you can join, you know, as Jill does with her uh, running club? It's all about finding things that will, that will stimulate us, that will you know, keep, our, keep our brains active and ticking over. Because we build new neurons, it, it, brain cells, essentially, until we die, if we keep our brains active. So, so important. Um, are there any resources you can recommend for people who want to start learning or developing a new hobby or a skill right now? I think the important thing is to stay local because then you'll meet people in your local environment. So, as I say, your, you know, if your local bookshop has a book group and that interests you, pursue that. Local running clubs, lo- you know, local gardening clubs, you keep, keep it local and, and follow your passions. There's no point trying to take up you know, bridge if you hate cards. If there's something that you like, how you know, what's happening in your area that will support that and, and how will it lead to you meeting other people? And also keeping it local means that you'll find people who are like-minded and yet you can see and, and interact with easily, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And then if you meet people through a gardening club, then you're going to bump into them in the park, walking the dog, and you, you, you're expanding your community. Yeah, brilliant. And Emma, is there any places we can get more resources on our finances for this as well sure so we have put together a course in conjunction with open university that helps people to plan for their retirement so that can can be accessed online at the open university's website and that's completely free for people it just helps you to start thinking about that planning for retirement and then yeah on, on the lng website there's also lots of guides for retirement and calculators and things that help you just understand how much you might get in retirement so again make sure you educate yourself i think that that helps you to feel in in control and, and happy as you approach retirement and Susan, quickly, I just want to ask you, is there a right age or way to start this transition to a healthy retirement balance? Do you have to wait until you've finished work, for example? No, I don't think so. I think you should start 
looking ahead, starting thinking about the you know, the physical, the mental stimulation, the social things you're going to be doing, really as soon as you can start to, th- even if it's in a very small way, just starting to think about what might that be and what resources are there locally and how could I pursue that and what's, what am I going to gain from it if I, you know, if I do? You think about that as soon as you can and if you can find a way of structuring retirement so that it's not immediate you, as Jill did you know that you you start to perhaps go part-time if you can afford to do that and then start to pursue those those other interests at the same time then it makes that transition so much easier and, and maybe you won't want to retire in quite such a dra- dramatic way if the mm. the kind of life balance changes mm, a bit like what you did and look at you you're just so relaxed <laughs> imparting all this knowledge to us <laughs> we can make a massive yeah, difference exa- exactly exactly yeah, it's finding your passion and essentially that's you know, that's what I did kind of unexpectedly but yeah find your passion and, and pursue it in any any way you can it doesn't have to be a huge thing it can just be an hour or two a week do you think Susan that there is this idea that when you retire you're meant to be doing certain things or you're seen in a certain way and is it sort of like breaking that mold that the you know, the world's your oyster. Absolutely. I think retirement and generally the second half or last third of your life, whatever it's going to be, is as individual as you are. And there is no set pattern. And the more you make it individual to you, the better it's going to be. And the worst thing is to try and follow a a specific mould. Emma, what sort of questions should someone be asking themselves, say, 20 or 10 years away from retirement in order to keep their options open? So probably go back to my putting things into threes and and, and how you plan for that, because it's a long way in the future. So trying to think about what life looks out 20 years out or 30 years out is is quite difficult. I mean, I'm not quite sure what my life looks like necessarily five years out. So I think it's um, trying to sort of visualise that a little bit. So I'd start with your lifestyle. What's it going to be like? So where are you going to live? Are you going to live in your current house or would you downsize? Are you going to move abroad and, you know, retire to the sunshine? Are you going to still work? And then I think it's, you know, it's back to then the finances. So what might you have? And trying to think about that 20 or even 10 years out from retirement is so important because you can do something about it then. If you're going, you know, hitting retirement, you haven't saved enough for this wonderful lifestyle you've imagined, then you might be a bit late to change that in any significant way. And then my third step is putting that together. So you think about what your lifestyle might look like. You think about what you might have saved and making sure that those two things marry together and that you've got enough to supplement and fulfill your your life because you know, being in control of your finances ultimately gives you a huge amount of freedom. I think it gives you a huge amount of mental well-being as well. No one wants to have finance, you know, money worries that are really difficult to deal with. So getting into grips with all of that as early as possible is really, really important to then leading a ha- happy and healthy retirement. Which is which is such good advice. But then Susan, at the same time, something that Emma touched on is that we don't know what's going to happen in five years or, or even tomorrow. But as long as you're putting that into place it's just that sort of comfort blanket isn't it exactly and health is like money you know health is wealth you know it's it's having you know having those things in place so that you know that you you can look forward with the energy and the kind of mental sharpness that you hope to have and that you're at least doing all that you can preparing yourself for the best possible future A big thank you to Emma and Susan for some great ideas. You can check out those links in the show notes to this episode. But if you'd like to find out more about retirement planning or get stuck into inspiring articles and resources, 
have a look at the website. It's legalandgeneral.com forward slash retirement. And remember, there's no better time to start the transition to a healthy mental balance and bank balance to fulfill your dream retirement lifestyle. So go on, start planning your best life now. Next time, we're talking about the retirement experience as an LGBTQ person and meeting more inspiring retirees. Join me then. Whether you're a gay man or any any, any other guy, whether you're single or, or married, I think you need to get good sound financial advice. I'm Angelica Bell. Follow Rewirement on your favourite platform and I'll catch you next time. <laughs>